Welcome to the podcast of Imago Day Community, where we are convicted to help bring the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures, seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Well, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. As we think about Advent, it really started 700 years before Christ came with this prophetic announcement. And as we think about this theme of a generous revolution, uh, that kind of ties in really to these rhythms that we have established at Imago. Rhythms to say, what does it mean to be the people of God? What does it mean to practice our faith in our particular cultural moment? And so we looked at how do we hear and obey the word of God and the spirit of God? What does it look like to practice hospitality and celebration and um, vocation, the work of our lives? But, but the other big one is generosity. How do we live as though we are secure in Christ and we can give ourselves away to other people. And that practice leads us into thinking about this season when God gave, out of his immense generosity, gave himself, gave us his son. And so this Advent season is really an invitation into this mystery where God and humanity meet in the person of Jesus Christ. And the result is this, it's a new economy of love where giving is better than getting, where being last is the mark of the winner, where power is used to redeem people and glory is given away like a royal robe to clothe the naked. Advent is this portal into a world whose economy is built on the other-centered currency of love. And I don't know about you, but, but we need that in our world now. In a world that's marked by terror and violence, racism, greed, death, a world where literally Christmas shopping can cost you your life in a stampede for the best deals, this, this revolution is good news to us, and it's good news to the world. And so now, perhaps more than ever, we have a better story to tell. We have a better story to live because we who get to peer long enough into this portal called Advent are being changed by this revolution of a new life that's been given to us by a generous God. This is our season to enter into the story of the coming of Christ once again. And so this story um, is announced way back when in the world of Israel, when the prophet Isaiah was prophesying into a very, very dark time for the people of God. And look with me in verse nine through five, and here's what it says. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. 
The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice as the harvest, harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for the burning, will be fuel for the fire. Isaiah describes the conditions in which Israel's slavery and hopelessness have left them with the impossibility of hope. When you think about much of scripture, it is written from the vantage point of the oppressed, from those who dwell in darkness, those for whom the system and powers of the day have taken advantage of them. This good news is spoken not to the privileged and the powerful, but to the weak and to the, those who are being victimized. And it's into those conditions where hopelessness seems to have left such darkness that he speaks these words of hope. God speaks his promises that he's sending someone Sending, not, not just a promise like, hey, you know, I'm with you, even though that is the heartbeat of Advent, but it's the one who is with you is coming as king to break the yokes, to uh, relieve you from the oppression of the enemies, to take this world that is wrapped in violence and to actually convert it into a place of peace. When the conditions are most impossible in life, um, life goes dark. Hope feels absent. I don't know if you've been in those seasons. Most of us have. Where, Where you look at the circumstances and you try to discern like where you're at and you feel so upside down and getting out of it feels impossible. Uh, many of you know that, that we're in sort of that season right now as a family with our, my daughter who, uh, who is mentally disabled and is having a very, very difficult time. And when people say, Do you, are you seeing God in it? Um, it's like I see God in lots of places. I don't see him here. So my standard response is usually, yeah, he's wandering around here somewhere. Uh, I kind of hear him rustling in the bushes sometimes. I get up in the morning, and it looks like his footprints have been here. Um, but there's this moment where you're waiting uh, for God and hope doesn't really feel present. And then you look at our world and you look at the refugee crisis. You look at people who are still suffering violence in the world and, and they feel that sense of hopelessness. And that actually creates the conditions for the promises of God to be spoken into that darkness. And we 
We often doubt them, at least for me. I find myself that doubt's not just a, it's not just this confronting like, shut up, that's not true. It's more of a God speaks a promise and then I try to fulfill it. I don't know if you've ever, if I'm alone on that or you, just me and Michelle. Um, <laughs> thank God for Michelle. Because <laughs> this service would be really quiet right now. But it's into that place where then I go, okay, then I got to pull together all my brain power and my resources to make these. And that actually, you know, makes me feel hopeful for about 30 seconds until I realize that my resources aren't big enough. And, and then you back up and go, we don't even have the resources to accomplish this hope. We have conditions that are resource-less. And that's exactly what this passage is talking about. He says that in these resource-less conditions that you find yourselves, those are the exact conditions where God has shown up throughout history for his people and fought our greatest battles for us. And so he refers to the time of Midian. Now, if you went back to the book of Judges, you would run into this character named Gideon. And Gideon was called to, to be the leader of Israel for this specific time where they were basically so outnumbered that they were under the oppression of the people of Midian. And he raises up Gideon and he's going to take Gideon out to war. Well, Midian had basically aligned themselves with other armies and they were all in this valley waiting to basically attack Israel. The scriptures say that it, they, were, they looked like locusts. There were just so many of them as far as your eye could see. So Gideon raises up all the resources he can and he comes up with like 20,000 troops or something. And then God says, actually, this is way too many. And uh, you can imagine what he's saying, like, really? So then God says, let them go down to the water to drink. And those who lap from the river like a dog, those are your guys. Now, I don't know about you, but... <laughs> doesn't sound like the smartest bunch of military people, right? Everyone else is drinking out of their hand. They're like, rrr, rrr. and uh, so he ends up with 300. And God says, send everybody home. So you can picture Gideon like, okay, bye guys. And then turns around to like, you know, the C team and says, here's what, here's, here's what we're going to do. Well, Gideon basically takes them in teams of a hundred and they go and they surround the valley. And on his word, they blow a trumpet and they break a clay jar on the ground. That's the strategy. <laughs> Feels pretty good. Uh, those were their resources. What do we have? Well, we have a lot of instruments and we got a bunch of clay jars. Okay, we got this. Um, they're obviously not for drinking water, so what are we going to do with them? So he gets up, and on his mark, they blow the trumpet, they throw the jar on the ground, and the, the armies get up, and there's confusion, and they all kill each other. 
and they just stand there and watch as they get routed. Well, God tells the people through Isaiah that this is what my salvation can look like into your hopeless situation. When you don't have the resources, you don't have the wisdom, you don't even have a a good team, when you're so outnumbered, then he shows up and he defies logic. He, He shows up and brings victory against all odds. Like you wouldn't have bet on the lapping dog team. He uses the absurd in our world because through this portal of the spiritual world, what makes sense to God doesn't always make sense to us. And what seems so real and so concrete in the natural world is actually so weak and easily overturned by the supernatural power of God. And he fights for us through the mystery and miracle of his power and brings about his peace in our lives. By wiping out violence, he says, look, we're gonna take those garments rolled in blood and the boots that were worn in battle, we're gonna actually burn those. We're not gonna need to have weapons anymore because I'm bringing about this season of peace. And so for Gideon, there was 40 years of just absolute peace for the people. And Isaiah says that is what God is gonna do into your hopeless situation. When you find yourself resourceless and hopeless, God speaks into those conditions with his words of promise. And so how, you know, you can imagine the people sitting there under the oppression, uh, enslaved, going, okay, so how are you going to pull this off? And he says, for to us, a child is born, in verse 6. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There really is a sense in which this Advent promise that happened 700 years before Christ's birth sounds just as absurd. It, It sounds, you know, in the midst of a world full of empires, full of rage, where Israel always finds themselves really in the the weakest position. The answer is, don't worry, somebody's gonna have a baby. You're like, Okay. <laughs> we were at Thanksgiving and Ben and Daisha Thomas was there and she's, she's ready to give birth and uh, waiting. And uh, if you said, hey, don't worry about, you know, the terrorism in the world because Ben and Daisha are having a baby. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> See you guys. Um, it, 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 it falls into the same place of kind of, that's not enough. It's not gonna be enough. We're, we're, we're gonna be resource less people with another mouth to feed. And yet, Jesus comes in to those exact conditions into history to fight 
to fight our great battles for us because he's not just a child is born, but he is the son of God that is given out of God's generosity to us. It defies logic that how God will defeat our greatest oppression of sin and death will be through the child that is born, the son that is given, that God will take on humanity and enter into our story, our poverty, our weakness, our dark nights and hopeless mornings. Against all odds, this child will become not just a king, but the king of kings. The one who will conquer the world through the world's power flipped on him. He would conquer violence by becoming the object of violence. Conquer sin by becoming sin. If you were a betting person, you would say there's no way that the guy on the cross is winning right now. And yet he overcomes through death and he ascends and he reigns. And somehow in the mystery, he's pulling all things together to put under his feet. And you're part of that now. He uses the absurd in that sense, that his generous revolution comes through his sacrifice. I mean, it just doesn't seem like that's how you win, is to give your life up. And he fights for us through the mystery and miracle of his power. He is the wonderful counselor. He is wisdom that comes and meets us inside of our very persons by his spirit. Paul says you have the mind of Christ, that in that hopeless moment, God is with you, giving you the eyes to see by faith that this is not the end. I saw this picture on the internet, you know how you always see those pictures about um, with the, the crazy preacher guy with the sign that says the end is near? And this guy was holding a sign that said the beginning is near. I like that. That's what this is talking about, that God comes in as the wonderful counselor and the mighty God, the one that rescues through uh, confounding the powers that came against Gideon, that came against Israel, that came against Jesus, and that come against you. The one who confounded death by raising him from the dead. That wouldn't be a game plan that you and I came up with to get out of our situation. But it was the one that the mighty God could pull off. And he brings about his peace in our life through the absence of violence. And so he is the everlasting father and the prince of peace. 
a father who has this fatherly love and protection and care. It doesn't matter. All of our fathers have fallen short, some more than others, but God is the everlasting father, the one who in his perfect love for us is always there to protect and care for his sons and his daughters. You are never without him. And he's the Prince of Peace. The only one who really can bring about the shalom, the sense that all is right with us and each other and the world and creation and God. He is the Prince that comes to preach peace. Now think about that as you watch the evening news as you see fistfights going on in malls around America for people who are trying to get uh, a deal on a television, right? A, a world where anxiety and fear continually invade our space and our consciousness. Jesus comes as the Prince of Peace when it's just all good. And you've tasted those moments. You've peered through the portal. You have stepped through it. You have those times where you have experienced that despite the swirling kind of circumstances, you're grounded because Christ is with you and in you. And so those names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, what do they do? Well, they actually create new conditions in the same circumstance where the believer who has trusted Christ and his redemption that has delivered and secured us in a world full of anxiety and fear, that we get to be the people of God that announce a different story because there's a different king and a different empire and a different economy, which is the economy of generous love. And then he says this in verse seven, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. And from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish that. This. The kingdom announcement, same one, is spoken by Gabriel in the book of Luke. It is a global reign. It's an eternal reign, and it's a reign full of shalom. And you and I are invited by Christ to live into this reign inwardly through faith. As he outwardly begins to break in with this kingdom in small but profound ways as we continue in Advent to wait for the fulfillment of his kingdom come. Now sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I feel like, okay, God has done all that and now I have to make it happen or um, like I have to just, 
Like God's passive, I guess is what I'm trying to say. He's like, I did this, now you go trust it, believe in it, make it happen. But, but the truth is when he says the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this, he's talking about a God that is dynamic and active and living, that Christ currently is in heaven praying for you nonstop, praying for his people, his world, that he's, uh, that he's interceding for on behalf of us. He is passionate and active in your life. Even in those moments where it feels like he's wandering around here somewhere. And so you and I are invited to walk through this portal into this bold hope and generous love as those who are actually secure in their redemption that their mighty God has brought them in Jesus. And the truth is we need this now more than ever. That there are these these long waiting moments and that's okay. That we are empowered to wait and to endure and to persevere because he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Not just like a little cat that follows you around, but he is God with us as everlasting father, as prince of peace as wonderful counselor, as mighty God. And so, for those of you that find yourself in that space, we wait, but we wait in hope because the zeal of the Lord will accomplish it. And he has accomplished so much of it already in Christ. And the truth is there are people around the world who are waiting for God to show up. And what's beautiful about being the people of God is the Apostle Paul calls us the body of Christ, that we get to participate with Jesus in this revolution. And today I want you to think about a cut, two things. I, wanna, I want you to ask yourself, what is this hope look like for me today? How does this portal of Jesus' revolution, how do I engage that in my own heart? How How is him being my mighty God, fighting my battles for me through the absurdity of uh, of this story, how is that gonna transform me? How am I gonna give myself to that? And one of the ways that we give ourselves to that is that we become that for other people. Other people who are waiting in much more hopeless situations than you and I are. One of our practices that has become just advent for us is that we take money we've saved aside for the year or money we save through not spending as much and we take an offering and we give it away to places that are very much in need that that through tangible physical action we can preach this good news that Christ has come. 
And God has given us a son, and that changes everything. And I want you to hear from Josh Butler today about what opportunity we have to, to join with Isaiah in making this announcement to some people who are waiting in some very dire situation. Yeah, we are witnessing uh, a pretty hopeless situation in our world today, the world's worst refugee crisis since World War II. Uh, I'm sure, like me, you've seen uh, the wrong slide. Can you put it up on the slide, the first one? Uh, we're witnessing the world's worst refugee crisis since World War II. Over 12 million people have been affected. I'm sure like me, you've seen the news and just the kind of tragedy and trauma and heartbreak of what's happening. Try and put in scope or perspective 12 million people. Uh, it's more than the Haiti earthquake, Hurricane Katrina, and the Indian Ocean tsunami uh, combined. And you can imagine as people are leaving their homes and they're uh, losing everything. If you could imagine in Portland, if Portland was at war and destroyed and we were all kind of on our way towards Mount Hood or something, you know, if everyone, if the whole city was kind of, uh, became refugees and was exiting and fleeing, you've got a situation like that where people have lost everything and people are using your circumstances for evil purposes and you're trying to care for your children and you're hungry and you're scared. So as part of Advent Conspiracy this year, we want to respond, uh, to be a generous people and go, how can we as the body of Christ respond with the generosity of Christ as a part of this generous revolution? And one of the ways that we're responding, uh, internationally, we as a church, we're going to partner, we're partnering with Medical Teams International, uh, who is on the front lines caring for some of the vulnerable uh, that are these refugee families in places where they're coming. And one of the ways, there's actually a way you can get involved even this Christmas. They've requested, uh, they said, you know, one of the situations is that you have these refugee camps where disease and sickness and things spread quickly. And so they've asked whether we might support them in helping to prepare hygiene kits as well. Uh, and these are simple items that they will include with their medical shipment, containers that go over uh, to help care for and increase kind of the community health and hygiene in these camps. And so on your way out today, uh, on the giving trees, you'll see uh, these tags. And you can take uh, one of these tags. Uh, it's an opportunity to prepare a hygiene kit for medical teams International and our partnership with them. And our hope is that this could be one, one way of, 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 of pitching in. There's also going to be uh, locally this upcoming year, there is an estimated 1,300 families that are going to be entering Portland, uh, 1,300 refugee families. And so we're partnering with Lutheran Community Services. They, uh, they deal with, they, they handle 70% of the families that are being resettled into Portland. So we're partnering with them for kind of best practices, and we're partnering with them as a collective of churches around the city to go, how can we best care for and welcome these refugees coming into our city? And there are a couple of ways. One of the big things is we are forming uh, resettlement teams, refugee resettlement teams. This would be a group of four to six people, if you're interested, where basically when they come in off the plane, we get to prepare the apartment for them, get it all furnished and ready, you know, get, get the apartment set up and cleaned and ready for them, welcome them at the airport, taking them to their first uh, visit to the doctor, to the hospital, to learning how to use public transport in the grocery store, all, all these kind of everyday things that we take for granted, helping to welcome a family in. You can imagine Imagine coming in in a second language and you're just trying to navigate life. And so we are forming these teams. If you are interested in exploring being a part of one of these, uh, you can text me. There's also information in your bulletin. Text me your email address and we'll add you to the email list. And what would it be like if you had these, you know, 1,300 families coming in and we collectively as the body of Christ in Portland 
were on the front lines to welcome and receive them off the plane and embrace with the generosity of Christ to welcome them into our city. A similar part of that, something else for Christmas this year you can do is on the, on the giving trees, there's another tag you'll find. And we're, we're basically, we're, we're, we're preparing what we call restart kits. And this is a way where you can kind of go, hey, I'm going to take the kitchen or the bathroom or one of the rooms in the house. And, uh, and there are supplies for that room that families are going to need. And so you can prepare like dishes and silverware, things of that nature, uh, to help get that room furnished and ready. And so uh, for Christmas year, we're partnering with churches across Portland. And we're going to be preparing these restart kits to welcome families this year. So you can grab one of those tags on the way out as well. I hear my phone buzzing. That's probably a lot of email addresses coming in. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, well, in the big picture, again, we want to welcome refugees. Uh, as, as we look at this, this is, a chance, this is a chance again, what would it be like for us as the body of Christ collectively in our city to be on the front lines of embracing and welcoming? So we're in conversation with our city, Lutheran Community Services, with other churches across Portland to see how we can give a generous gift that's going to help to embrace and welcome these families in this upcoming year. So I want to invite you that we get to be a part of that together as followers of Jesus. And it may seem small, like Rick said, but taking what we have and bringing it before the King and seeing what God might do with it. And all this is a way that we get to extend the hospitality of Christ where we come this morning to a table where Christ has given generously of himself to us. And so we give generously because we have received generously. We have received from the abundance of Christ. So this morning as you come, come to the place where we meet Christ who met us in our devastation, in our destruction, in our hopelessness. And Christ bore our devastation. He bore our destruction. He bore our hopelessness in order to embrace us with the generosity of God, to pour out his life into us that we might be filled to welcome us home, to create a new, new home and a new place for us to live life fully. So I want to invite you to join me in prayer as we come to the table this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you have given of yourself so generously to us that you continue to today, that you have poured yourself out for us. Father, you gave your most precious gift You met us in our war-torn, devastated world, and you brought the hope and the power of your life, God, the restoring life of God. And so, Father, we pray that this morning, God, I I pray that that would take root deep in our hearts, Lord, that we would experience your generosity this season in our lives, God, that you've given of yourself relationally to us. Father, as we come to this table, we come recognizing Uh, that that we don't have much to bring to the table, God. We come to you with our our brokenness, our loss, and we come to be filled by your life and your power. And Father, we pray, God, that you would, as you fill us, God, as you continually fill us, Lord, that you would make us a generous people, that you might pour your life through us to our world. Because as we look around, we see, God, that our world desperately needs needs it, God. And so, Lord, we ask, God, that we would be a signpost of your generous revolution in the world, God. A beacon of hope, God, a place uh, where your generosity is poured in us and through us to a world that you desperately love. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you're interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at www.amargodaycommunity.com Thanks a lot for listening.